0: Every day, we rely on food, fuel, and fiber. But how much do you know about these industries we depend on? In this podcast, we dive deep into the production and processes of these everyday essentials. This is Field Points, an original podcast production from Siri Solutions. You're listening to the Field Points Podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Seger. Today, we are continuing our series on a culture of safety at Ceres Solutions, and I'm joined again by Brian Sitz, the Director of Risk Management for Series. Our guest today is Rodney Stevens, and he's going to walk us through farm safety when we're looking specifically at the fall. So we're going to walk through some safety tips around working with grain and bin safety, as well as managing equipment on the roads and things to consider as the weather starts to turn colder. So let's dive right in and meet Rodney. I'm Rodney
1: Stevens. I am the Michigan Region 1 Safety and Risk Coordinator. I start off with a series. I'm coming up on my second anniversary, Okay. but coming up on my eight years.
0: Okay, so how does that work?
1: <laughs> I got hired on Leap Day. It's interesting. Gonna take, gonna that take is a an long interesting fact. Yeah, we'll retire. <laughs> yeah, this
2: next year and I'll have eight Yeah, years. 24. Okay. It's Leap Year.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, now I remember that. So happy <laughs> early anniversary. <laughs> Thank
2: you.
1: I came to Ceres after having left public schools. I was a transportation director there for 22 years and kind of had a lot of safety background from that. Came to be a manager, was there for five years until a little over five years until they uh, got rid of that location. So and I came on board as in the safety department.
0: You had other options
1: when the branch closed. What made you want to get into safety? Like I said, I had a lot a lot of that dealing with in the school system through the transportation department, and whatnot. And it was it came open and I thought, no. Oh, I'll go for that why not and it's worked out very well
2: i would agree from my short time here rodney does a fantastic job just his knowledge and background from it and stuff and just like we talked about the how much risk you're willing to take that type of thing and managing and evolving and you know being open and stuff like that but i've been fortunate and blessed i've got an awesome team um from there so every single one of them so hopefully we'll have a Another one here, too, for Region 3, once we get that nailed down in that position filled. But thankful for to have him on the team, without a doubt. Yeah, we do have a really good team. Yep.
0: So what is, like, a day in the life? This well,
2: will be interesting. Hold on. I'm going to listen to this one. <laughs> what do you do every day, Rodney? The day in life. Um, <laughs> um, so
1: Region 1, Michigan, is, and I'm also attached to Endeavor. Okay. So Yep. Which is the other partnership with Co Alliance series has. So we can go four hours this way, two hours this way, and four hours this other direction to go to the locations and locations in between. So you can have everything you want on the calendar. I'm going to do this this day and this this day. And something always seems to come up and it gets changed. It's very fluid. A lot of driving. I got some really awesome managers' li- locations, you know, and they'll keep me in the loop at any point in time what's going on what's happening inspector shows up you know with the state or whatever shoot that way you know you just got to keep got to keep very fluid in this job that's what makes it interesting
0: yeah so state inspectors go to locations without coordinating with you unannounced
2: guys. they just show up. yeah them. they can do a lot of them are unannounced there's other ones where you've got a schedule they you know pre-determined date i'll call it a routine inspection but yeah many of them are unannounced so rodney maybe Sitting in Fremont today, and then get a call at nine o'clock in the morning. And hey, we got so and so showed up up here at Traverse City, or you know, or down in Coldwater, or, you know, what have you. So
0: so then, what is your expectation of that day once they're there? Like, so you go there as fast as you can. I try
1: to get there as fast safely. as I can, safely, efficiently. Yeah.
0: Thank you. <laughs> as efficiently as possible. Efficiently. And but then, how do you engage with those people, or what is that process like?
1: I've built a pretty good rapport with most of the inspectors. A lot of times they'll call and tell me, I'm heading that way today, they'll call me. So that's nice, you know, and i say, okay, I'll change my schedule around, I'll meet you there. And we just go through everything. If they got a specific thing that they're looking at or wanting to see, I mean, you find it and get it to them and hopefully everything goes well. For the most part it does.
0: And if not, then it's just steps you take after they leave to kind of rectify whatever that was. Correct. Okay.
1: Fix the problem. You know, a lot of times just take a picture email it to them whatnot, and they're, they're fine with it but a lot of times they'll come back to take a look at it for themselves.
2: The trust and verify I'll yeah, call it. That's where that relationship helps out.
0: This whole series is going to be focused on safety culture. With us going into harvest there's a lot of moving pieces right now. I mean there is all year round but I think it's more visual right now so we wanted to just bring that into this episode and kind of talk through what are some of the top concerns that people should be aware of when it comes to safety this time of year?
1: Uh, This time of year you are cleaning grain bins out for the new crop coming in. Clean up your grain around your loading areas unloading areas. Uh, Especially soybeans are just like walking on marbles. People fall all the time. You know never get in a grain bin unless your reposed angle is good enough that you can get in there run the sweep auger whatever with help from somebody else We've had we're actually on the rise of fatalities from grain bins this last year.
2: In the industry. In the industry. Yeah, in the industry. Not and serious specifically, no, but
1: not not serious. Always go through your lockout/tagout process. And make sure everything is shut okay. off. Check your atmosphere, and there make sure there's care nothing. quality. Air quality. You, know. you really should have three people if you're going into a grain bin to sweep it out. One inside, one outside watching, and then another one there to rotate. Or something happens because deadlifting a human, if they pass out out of something like that, is almost impossible. Yeah. The adrenaline gets going, yes, and this and that. But why did they pass out? Are you going into into an atmosphere that you're gonna pass out now, or what? So you need to have a couple of people there also. Never get into, never climb into the top of a grain bin, on top of green, never. Just had a conversation with a fellow the other day. He was at a location, they were standing by an 80,000 bushel bin, talking about it, and two guys came out. He said, where have you guys been? Well, we were just inside the grain bin, checking it out, seeing how much corn was in it. It was empty. They were walking around on a little roof that had hardened up on the top, and they would have dropped 40 feet. Never get into a full grain bin.
0: So how do people learn what's going on inside of it without going in? Like what suggestions do you have or how could they have handled that differently?
1: If the grain stops flowing for some reason, there, there is a problem, yes. Usually it's quality. You got bad quality grain you didn't take care of properly. Then there's ways to do it. You can auger it out from the outside. whatnot. don't get in it.
2: Don't get in it from the top. From the top,
1: don't get in it. Once it's down far enough, and your angle of repose of the grain is up there, then you can get in and run the sweep augers. Like I said, you should have at least three people at all
2: times. So you're talking about the angle of repose, it's like, if you ever see like a trench or excavation where they're digging with a backhoe or excavator, your slope or your angles, so if it does cave in or slide, you're not gonna get buried alive, basically, is what's gonna happen, so. Because it draws out of the bottom. (laughs) So it's gonna be like a reverse cone. And you're gonna walk in
1: there and then that can come down on you, like you said, and then trap you. You wanna make sure that angle is down low enough to where it's head height or so, so you can't get trapped.
0: One of the tips I heard when I was just trying to get ready for today was to label your switches.
1: Oh, most definitely.
0: And to label your bins.
1: Yep, always. Yeah. That's on actually on our checklist when we do inspections. That, All your fuse panels when you open them up, they all need to be labeled, what they are. Or even if you have a number like one through, and then you got a diagram that says what number one is. It's the sweep auger. Number two is the leg. Well, number three is an elevator.
0: So you inspect them. Yes. On farms or just at locations? Just
2: just for series. Just for our our locations. Okay. Yeah. Well, how many
0: locations have? grain?
1: We have four in Michigan. We have three feed mills and well we have three feed mills and actually two grain storage locations okay so
2: we got equipment too at our locations whether it's a grain or feed mill i mean it doesn't matter you need to know like even look at your house i mean start there go open up your breaker box and see what it looks for is it labeled or are you just throwing random switches and you get there (laughs) hey tell me when the lights go off yeah all right dad yep
0: (laughs) basement lights are off okay that was
2: the right one but then write it down, yeah, then write it down afterwards
0: <laughs> so whether they're serious employees or they're farmers or farm families what types of things do you think fly under the radar that could be helpful for people to know
1: on a daily basis everybody does shortcuts a little bit it's you're allowed statistically so many shortcuts before something happens and you know i don't know everybody's job you know in the, in the industry but they know and if you know you're taking that shortcut just stop a second back up and do it anyways because you're only allowed so many and it catches up
0: i like that advice i feel like harvest is one of those times where we go out with the best intentions but as soon as things start happening it's like just get it done and that's yeah. where those kind of things happen and that's when you start to see
1: human error starts when <laughs> Especially when you're tired and they're going to work long hours and that's when that stuff really starts happening. Take a break, you know, stop and eat something. Have a Mountain do, you know, but human error starts the most when you're tired, mm-hmm. when you get fatigued.
2: Yeah, that whole uh, Heinrichs model or whatever <laughs> that you're kind of referring to, they're saying you're... Kind of give you an example, for every one fatality, you're going to have like 10 recordable or serious injuries, and then you'll have 100 first aid injuries, and then a 1,000 or 10,000 different near misses or close calls type thing. So it all adds up. It all adds up at some point. So, it's the
1: top
0: one.
2: Yep, it's the, it's the pyramid or the triangle is what they look at it from a safety and risk standpoint.
0: You guys have pretty serious jobs. I appreciate we, what we you do. guys are doing we for do. a series. You.
1: And, and, you know... I rather enjoy my job. I work with a lot of good people. We got a great team. Yep, it makes a difference when you get up in the morning and you don't care about putting on those work boots and heading out. It's nice to know that Jeff Troike, Doug Brunt, the board, and everybody is really backing
0: safety. So, how is Ceres working to support safety in AG?
2: I think there's a couple of different things. I mean, one, from a capital investment standpoint, I mean we're we're upgrading, you know, the different locations. All the site visits that I've done so far, hey, this is a new tank here. we you know we're building, we're doing construction, um, cold water, you know, for example, the building and the from a liquid standpoint, that's a huge upgrade. There's been some other yeah, capital, beautiful, beautiful facility now. Hmm.
1: Takes a lot of money. You know, that was about a five million dollar project it was an investment for safety. And along with it comes, you know, improvement on on uh, moving the products and, you know.
2: So you know. then you look at it, okay, what else is it tied to? It ties to, you know, from a uh, quality standpoint, from a supply chain, because we're not mixing chemicals incorrectly or putting the wrong stuff in, you know, equipment, that type of thing, It's, it helps prevent those. I mean, at the end of the day, it's risk, you know, risk of put the wrong chemicals here and then we just either lost a bunch of money or, or what have you. so it's it's a number of things like that just you know you look at the training we talk kind of training every month. there's a new topic. Well some companies don't it's kind of like a one and done when you hire on but it's constant reminders and just going through things like that where you're helping keep the awareness up. And kind of like Rodney said, you know, just stop for a second. Don't take the shortcut. You know how to properly do the job, and I think I mentioned it too, you're going to save five minutes here for what, an hour or a day or a month later because we just had a major spill or a major injury.
0: Well, I think at the end of the day, those things come full circle and people are generally glad that they didn't do it if they opted to not take the shortcut.
1: And the culture is changing. You know, you got some people that's been doing, doing something for 40 years. Well, this is the way I always do it. Or you got a younger guy coming in, and you say, no, this is how we do it. This is the steps we're going to follow. That culture is changing with them younger guys. Oh, okay, that makes sense. It's, it's a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's kind of like back when they mandated seatbelt being used. you still got some of the culture that won't do it. But I don't know of a young person that gets in a vehicle that don't put the seatbelt on because that's the way it's best.
2: Continuous improvement. Yes. Continuous improvement.
0: So what words of wisdom or recommendations do you have for people who haven't prioritized safety? Think about
1: doing it now before you get hurt, because it's inevitable you're gonna get hurt.
2: It'll catch up at some point. It it It, will. You may have done it 999 times, but when you go to do it that thousandth time, it's going to bite you if
1: you haven't had the training to do what you're doing. Ask. Yep. You know that's not hard to get. There's lots of people out there that have done it and be more than willing to help you. But you
2: have to ask. Don't, don't don't be prideful. Don't right. be afraid to ask. Right. Think about the risk and what the I want to say reward is going to be taking that shortcut because yeah. it may not be a reward. It may be you know you paying the ultimate penalty. your wife unfortunately
1: it goes out to look for you happens do Mm -hmm. they
2: they want you to be taking that risk and possibly being seriously hurt or killed is it going to be worth it in the long run with you not being able to provide or or do what you're currently doing Mm -hmm. you know your livelihood right it's not worth it take the extra couple minutes agriculture is
1: one of the most hazardous jobs there is in the United States. Every day, we're moments, every one of us is moments away from having something happen. And through education, training, try to make sure everybody leaves, goes home, as good a shape as they came.
2: It's all about managing risks. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about. Just taking that stopping and taking a second and thinking, okay, before I go do this, what could happen? what risks do i have you know making sure you're putting stuff in place or avoiding those risks or shortcuts or whatever it may be
1: you know they got the combines all the equipment out there right now in the fields all that equipment the the carts and everything is so much bigger than what it used to be and that's for the general public also that's yeah. a big safety concern because they don't realize that that combine is taking up the whole road because it has to take up the whole road Yeah. farmers try to get over or whatnot, not let them by but you just gotta have some patience too. So it's it's everybody. You need to take a big look at it.
0: The hard thing for me is like there's so many things blinking when you come up behind equipment yep. that you can't always tell if like their blinkers on intentionally or not,
1: or if they're gonna turn yeah. or they not, or is it a is it a hazard light and one of them's burned out? You don't know, but at least it got your attention. And so. that's like
2: I mentioned, we had you know last week's safety topic, the safety scoop that we did defensive driving or driver safety. Mm-hmm because we did have one of those incidents that we had, we had an applicator turning into a field and somebody was going to start to try to pass us as we were starting to turn and they ran into us, so. Very valid point, I mean, that's it's sharing the road. and just yeah. The thing is, be patient, so, give yourself some time. We all know somebody that's chronically late to everything even possibly their own funeral.
1: Then if they're so late, they're, it's, it's, they're <laughs> gonna be late again.
2: It's like, give yourself an extra five or 10 minutes just because you don't know if it's that. There's a long train at the crossing or something you may get stuck by or, or whatever. So someone am to be maybe out for a Sunday drive on Tuesday afternoon, you know, doing 10 miles and under the speed limit. So just be patient.
0: Next, I asked Rodney what else is top of mind when it comes to safety this time of year.
1: And then the cold weather problems, winter. Yeah, it's coming, the snow is going to be here before we know it. And that's just as bad as in the, in the middle of the summer with the heat. We have cold problems also, you know, with employees and equipment also. So everything's coming
2: full circle right now from summer to fall to winter. Yeah. Check your vehicles, your personal yeah. vehicles, you know, even your company vehicles, be prepared. Have a you little know, kit
1: in there. Yeah. Know, have a blanket Throw, in throw there. a little
2: blanket in there. Yep. I've been there, done that. My wife and I have been on I-74, heading to the airport for a little getaway vacation by ourselves where we left the kids' home with her parents and stuff. And it had a serpentine belt shred because, it, you know, December. Yeah, that happens. It had an idler pulley wheel shred apart. It tore the belt, and we were stranded on the side of the road. Well, the battery really lasts so long, and you can't really get much heat going when... Your, your belt and the fan's not running, right? So, thankfully, I had a blank or two, but being, being the safety nerd, you kind of have stuff like that <laughs> already, besides <laughs> like first aid kit. But, you know, just uh, all jokes aside, you know, just thinking about that. Winter's coming up. You know, we talk about heat stress. You don't wait till. The middle of July to talk heat stress. You talk about it before then, leading up to you know before the hot weather gets there. Same thing right now with winter's coming, folks. Yes. Winter's coming.
0: So, what things would you recommend people put in their vehicles to be prepared? A blanket, anything else?
1: Uh, A couple of candy bars, some you know, just quick energy. Blankets, hand warmers, foot warmers. The own little packets that you can buy. Throw them in there. That's quick and easy. That last They'll last up to six hours. Yeah. Full tank of gas. That's always a good one.
2: Jumper cables. Jumper cables. You know, a lot of people think about batteries and winter and the cold and stuff like that, but you know summertime's just as hard, if not worse, on car batteries, vehicle batteries. So you know just stuff like that. Little first aid kit too. Yeah. Um, we know everybody's not going to run around with a fire extinguisher, but that's, that's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Not a bad idea. They make small ones. Your safety and risk folks probably do. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thing just year round. Talking about what else should you have in your vehicle? How about your spare tire? Yeah, just make sure check. Make it sure once the thing's got air in it. Yeah, like nobody ever looks at it. No, and even if you get your oil change, you know, from somebody else, trust me, they're not checking your. It's I bet you not percent to of the time they're not checking the spare tire. So when Sp- it's it's emergency equipment, so when it's, you need to use it, you want to make sure it's ready to go. Especially the ones that are in the car under
1: the back seat <laughs> area or whatever. Yeah, or if you're the trunk nobody of the car. Nobody ever looks in there. <clears throat> yeah, ever.
0: With safety being such an important priority for Siri Solutions, the team has worked to give back and provide certain assets to rescue teams to ensure they have the supplies and equipment they need if something should happen. Here's David Smith to share more about how Siri Solutions is working with our local communities.
3: One of our foundational values is just to give back to the local communities we serve and everything too, Morgan. As you talked about with with Rod, uh, grain bin safety is something that's uh Obviously very paramount this time of year. So what we did this summer is we partnered with uh, Cobank and actually gave uh, twenty thousand dollars to Huntington County volunteer fire departments and was able to uh, purchase six grain bin rescue tubes for those local fire departments, which obviously we don't want them to build <laughs> have to use them, but yet if if they, uh, if if there is a need, then they've got those uh, tubes in place and everything to those. So with the help of uh, of Cobank, like I said, then uh, not only were we able to provide those rescue tubes, but be able to get the training for each one of those uh, firefighters is volunteering and, and being able to uh, give that training that they need and everything as well, though.
0: What does the training look like? Like, is that something we help them coordinate or do they do that in-house?
3: I believe what they'll do is they're going to do that in-house, Morgan, but they're just going to utilize the funds that we uh, provided along with. Obviously, they did did kind of a fundraising campaign to bring those uh, tubes in, the rescue tubes in, and then reached out to, I believe it was Purdue that was going to give them that training and everything as well, and everything, working through the extension agents to try and get the training for those local volunteers to have that training as Green Bend Rescue Tubes.
0: Sure. And how did we decide where those donations were going to go? Like, was there a larger need there or?
3: Well, I think a lot of the times when we do the donations like that, I mean, obviously our, uh, our team is in the communities that we serve and live in. And uh, so they'll reach out and, uh, and say, and we look at a number of different uh, options each year, whether it be through, uh, through 4-H, a lot of the times it's through food banks that we'll serve. Um, but Chad. You know, our farmer members, our uh, employee team, they're all kind of coming from a servant's heart standpoint, and they're going to give back to that local community. So when uh, when we get a request from either a producer or get a request from our team, we kind of look at it and see that we can we can do something. A lot of the times, we may partner with one uh, or other cooperatives, like uh, Atlanta Lakes, or like uh, CHS. Um, or co-bank as we did in that circumstance
0: is there anything else that we should know about harvest safety or the way series is working together with our local communities I, I
3: think the biggest thing we're trying to do is just bring awareness to it um, just to make sure that uh, they kind of use a buddy system as rodney may have talked about as they go into green bins and everything making sure that somebody knows they're going into the bin um just having that overall awareness that that knowing that uh, accidents do happen, but yet uh, trying to make them cognizant of those opportunities that may be out there then too. And, and uh, obviously from uh, from Rod's standpoint, we do a lot at the uh, feed mill up at White Cloud just through our training that we give employees and everything too though our tag out lockout type systems and, and uh, our risk management team works diligently to try and, uh, bring the safety down to the team, but our customers as well. We're out and about, whether it be through grain or propane or through uh, the agronomy side as well. The, the other thing uh, we try and make consumers, obviously uh, we're working alongside our, our producers to to feed the world. I mean, we're, we're producing the, the food, the fiber and the energy that's going to provide for all those consumers that's out there. And, and obviously what we're trying to do Uh, Each fall, as we get into the fields and each spring as well, is to make sure consumers know to share the road and everything. Then, too, it's tough to get this equipment, it's getting larger all the time. Um, So, to try and navigate the uh, roads and with some of the roads that uh, our team has to travel, whether it be our equipment or uh, farmers' equipment, just uh, be patient and uh, they're working as hard as they can to get it in the field. But yet, be patient with them and, and kind of share the roads you can. And you're still going to see it as we go through harvest season and everything is this harvest is uh, a little bit later with the moisture of the crops and everything too.
0: When we're driving down the road, that's one thing that we don't always think about is like, how is the person inside that big piece of equipment feeling too? Because yes. I don't do much trucking or anything like that. But when I do, I am always like on high alert and so nervous that you know, a mailbox is going to come up just at the wrong time, or someone's going to try to pass me when I'm turning. Like those kind of things are so scary. So.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. No, just uh, give them space and, and uh, work with them as much as what you possibly can. Cause they're trying to give you space and, and uh, be uh, respectful of your, your time as well. So they're doing what they can. We'd appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, David, so much for your time. I appreciate yeah. you popping on and shedding a little light on what series is doing.
3: No, I'm glad I could help. Thank you for your time, Morgan.
0: Well, that wraps up this episode on farm and harvest safety. Next week, we'll be joined by a teammate from the energy team, Joe Dunphy, and he's going to walk us through precautions and safety tips when dealing with LP, especially as we move into the colder months. A big thank you to Rodney and Brian for joining me on this episode. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into Field Points. The show notes for this episode will be available at series.coop. That's C-E-R-E-S dot C-O-O-P. If you enjoyed this deeper dive, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Your review and feedback will help other listeners like you find our podcast. And we are so thankful for that